This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, August 4th, wherever and however you're connected, wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who is not throwing away his shot, Jerem Jordan. I'm not, uh, Hamilton. Yeah, shooters got to shoot, you know. A uh, l- little less basketball during the pandemic. I played a little bit, but it's been uh, it's been fun. Still, you know, jacking from deep. That's that's the way, you know, that's the way I roll, except I want to just shoot a little bit better than Jordan Clarkson. That's kind of my goal. <laughs> In fact, uh, speaking of basketball, I believe BYU football safeties coach Preston Hadley talked about Jerem's shot in today's Coaches on Bikes. <laughs> I love the way that man plays the game of basketball. Here we go, the right way. You know, he can go 0 for 10 from three-point. 0 for 10, do it matter? It doesn't matter, because he won't hesitate to shoot, because he's a shooter, and shooters shoot. Shooters shoot. I wish that was about me. That was about, what, Steph Curry? Yeah. It's in the safeties room. They have a picture of him or something. So, yeah, I could go 0 for 10. That's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Jerem likes Stephen Curry. Preston and I used to play. 0 for 10 and then shoot the game-winning shot, the game-clinching shot, and knock it down. Yeah, right? if it's pickup, yeah, if it's a real game, I ain't, I'm not getting that shot. But I love that guy. Great. That uh, Dude Perfect chronicled that guy. The guy that misses everything oh, yeah. the whole game no. and then banks in the game-winning three. And Bill, like, Simmons, yeah! Bill Simmons calls this type of player uh, irrational confidence guy, <laughs> which is a great description. <laughs> And he does this rewatchables podcast where they rewatch old movies, and one of the uh, categories is the Dion Waiters Award. Uh-huh. Which is this guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. The irrational confidence. Irrational guy. confidence. Are guy. you ever the irrational confidence guy in basketball? Irrational confidence? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not there to exercise. I'm there to get buckets. Shooters got to shoot, even yeah. if it's late in the game and you're 0 for 10 going into it. Uh, yeah, and in 10 years, I'll be the white dude in the corner just shooting through. Yes. We're definitely shooting our shot with today's show lineup, and BYU is by necessity shooting their shot with emergency football scheduling. All five of the Power Five conferences have spoken on modified 2020 scheduling. Power Five opponent options are sparse for BYU, so will the Cougars even get one P5? And how does BYU head football coach Kalani Sataki prepare his team amidst such uncertainty? He'll join us to answer that question and tell us his number one concern entering BYU football fall camp. Plus, to properly welcome back the NBA, our Top 5 Tuesday features the top five dunks all time mm. in BYU basketball history. I'm excited about that. We have a nice list. Mm. Nice. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Today marks the start of BYU football fall camp for the 2020 season. The Cougars were granted a waiver to begin limited training last week for walkthroughs, meetings, and conditioning. Now it's officially fall camp, even though it's not fall, it's the summer. Cougars can do mandatory workouts under the NCAA's 20-hour rule. In theory, after five practices, you can, for five days, you can get up to full pads and whatnot. So, uh, Kalani Stocky will join us a little bit later. We'll ask him how this is going to work in practice, how it's going to work during the season. Did we ever decide if we're calling it training camp or we're calling it the not-fall-summer not, not fall camp? camp? Not-fall camp. Not-fall camp? Some, 
but it is fall camp. Summer, <laughs> summer, not fall camp. Until September 21st. Yeah. Right? Yes. So the fall equinox. The not fall summer camp. Yeah. The Big 12 Board of Directors announces that all 10 football programs will play a 9-plus-1 schedule for the 2020 season. Wait, no BYU? Consisting of nine conference games and one non-conference opponent, maybe it's BYU, <laughs> to be played at the home sites of the Big 12 teams. This mimics what the Atlantic Coast Conference announced they would do. Big 12 conference play is anticipated to begin mid to late September. Also some movement Amidst the group of five, the Sun Belt announces they will play eight conference games and up to four non-conference games for a total of potentially 12, so a full schedule. The specific number of non-conference matchups will depend on each individual school. Every conference that says they're trying to play 12 is just amusing. Like, I I love the idea that they're trying, but I'm amused because I'm like, there's no way they're going to make 12. And right now it's Conference USA and the Sun Belt. We await on the American. We await on the Mountain West. Conference USA versus the American in terms of who's more patriotic. And then there's the Patriotic League. I mean, that's a battle. That's a battle. Yoli Childs ranks 91st in the ESPN Top 100 Best NBA Draft Prospects list. Other notables include Gonzaga's Killian Tilly at 52, Sam Merrill of Utah State at 61, St. Mary's Malik Fitz at 77, and Jordan Ford at 99. So you have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six in the top 100. Not bad from uh, WCC. Uh, an interesting note, Sam Merrill, 30 spots higher than Yoli Childs. Not sure how I feel about that. That's interesting. BYU women's golf standouts Kirsten Fotu and Naomi Soifua both in the top 10 after one day at the Utah Women's Open. In fact, Fotu leads after firing a two under par 70 at Thanksgiving Point Golf Course. Soifua, one of five golfers to shoot a one over par 73. She's currently tied for seventh. Good luck to both BYU ladies in the second and final round of the Utah Women's Open today. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Big 12 has spoken again, and shocker, BYU is not going to join the conference for a one-year situation like Notre Dame is joining the ACC. However, the Big 12 is modeling what the ACC did, as we just mentioned, in establishing a 9-plus-1 scheduling model. So the door is technically still open slightly for BYU to sneak in a power five game or two or three. If you want to put on the blue goggles with the exceptions from the big 12 and ACC, they just have to be on the road. So Jerem, all that said over under one and a half P five opponents for BYU in the 2020 college football season. I'll go over. Uh, I think ESPN will help BYU with this. I think that's where BYU is going to get a couple of games because BYU is less left to themselves. I think Tom Homer could probably still get a couple of games. So ACC and Big 12 is what we're talking about. BYU would have to go to the ACC. Big 12 didn't say it had to be a, a home game for the Big 12, right? They didn't say what the it ACC ha- did or they did? It has to be a home game. Okay, so that's fine. BYU is willing to go on the road. Not a big deal. I think it'll be over. I think uh, maybe this Oklahoma State game that – is reportedly in the works potentially on September 3rd. Could be one, and then maybe TCU is another another week. I don't know. I, th- I think BYU will get at least two uh, Power 5 games, uh, even though it's limited to two of the five leagues. Right now, BYU is in a pickle. Being an independent is really hard in this situation because every league is uh, you know going to do their conference schedule like normal, but most of the leagues are saying, at least Power 5, three of the five are saying, no, 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 we're not going to let anybody else in. So that's hard for BYU, who has thrived on 
playing a lot of Power Fives. In fact, almost half the schedule, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In Independence, since 2011, BYU averages 4.8 Power Five games per season. So, almost five. You'd like that to be 3.8. I'd like it to be three or four. Yeah, so like three and a half. Yeah. I think BYU would have had a couple of 10-win seasons had they had that number a little lower. Instead of eight or nine-win seasons for a while there, I think you'd have a 10 sprinkled in every couple years, and then we'd feel like this was working on the field. Right now we're feeling like it's not working on the field. But uh, to answer the question, yes, I believe it will be over, and I think that the, the rook card in this is ESPN's relationship with BYU. I am over on this as well. I think BYU, with the Tom Holmo and ESPN cards played, they have good relationships. Playing a lot of cards here. The Cougars will figure out a way to get one, maybe two Big 12 opponents. And, I mean, hey, shooter's going to shoot, maybe even an ACC road game. So maybe BYU does string together three Power 5 games with the two exceptions from those conferences, and they figure out a way to hold on to the majority of their group of five games. I don't know that the Mid-American Conference is going to remain uh, as liberal as the Sun Belt and Conference USA based on their location around the Big Ten, which has gone strictly so, conference So Northern only. Illinois, no. So I don't know that, yeah, the Northern Illinois game will stay, but I'm confident that the Mountain West, even if they make an adjustment in its conference plus one or conference plus two, that... BYU will still be in the mix somewhere there with those traditional regional rivalry games, Boise State, San Diego State, uh, and Utah State. Well, Utah State's just straight rival. Straight rival. Yeah. yeah. Not, no, no region about it. Not the rival, San Diego but it is a rival. I agree with yeah. you that San Diego State is a can be a regional rival with more regularity. Yeah. yeah. Boise State has turned Boise into State that. Boise State is my favorite series in Independence. I've said this. So I think BYU will hold on to the majority of those group of five games. Maybe they lose Northern Illinois, but they'll string together two. So hopefully Houston, three keep Houston. Five. I think yeah. that's a good game. Sure, yep. sure. Again, this is all based on what's happening in these regions of the country. What about the American, by the way? I think the ACC, could, there could be a boon here. Why don't we discuss any kind of relationship there? Which, by the way, the Mountain West relationship that we discussed, they're a Fox League now. They're not an ESPN League. So that is not happening. That is not happening in terms of anything formal, right? Just based on that, no way. I don't – yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem likely, right? I but- don't think it would happen regardless. But if you once, – once I remembered – someone helped me remember uh, – like, hey, it's a Fox League. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not happening. No, it's not going to – they're not going to have a formal relationship. Why would BYU do that with ESPN and then – do something with a league that doesn't have an ESPN deal. The AAC does, however. I, I think it's not going to be with a league. I think it'd be with individual teams. So, yeah, play a couple American players. is going to cobble together the best schedule they can with who they can play, whoever that is. Is it a Fox situation if it is a home game for the Mountain West? Because if that is the situation, then okay then BYU would go on the road and play Mountain West schools and it would be under the Fox parameters. But Yes, I mean some formal relationship with the league whose primary TV rights provider is not ESPN. I think that'd be weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know I didn't think works. it was going to happen anyway. I'm just saying because they're a first-tier rights go to Fox now, I, I think ESPN would be like, what are, you do- what are you doing? No, you hang with us. We got you. Like, don't, what, are you, what are you doing? Also, BYU's not going to do anything with the Mountain West. That's not happening. What I'm gathering from all of this is with the doors left slightly cracked open for two Power Five conferences and two Group of Five conferences already saying we're going to try and play a full schedule, there will be more options than I once thought there would be for BYU. App State, baby. 
App State's a good team out of the Sun Belt. They They've won 12. been in the top 25, I think, they won, in the last four years. They won 12 games last year. They won 12 games last year. Let's go. Let's let's, let's uh, play App State. Let's go. There will be options. And then yes. throw in a hodgepodge of independence. Like Tom Homo and ESPN are going to figure out a BYU schedule. And we're hopeful, obviously, that there will be at least two Power 5 opponents in there. And it, they'd be on the road, so those wouldn't be home ESPN contract type of games but if you can have utah state at home still if you can have houston at home still san diego state those are three quality games at home espn is not interested by the way in my opinion in independence for BYU at home i don't think they care about that they don't don't want a home at home with new mexico state in 2020 listen as intriguing as new mexico state is uh no i i think that BYU with Power Fives will go and try and get what they can on the road. I don't anticipate a Power Five at home for BYU this year. It just is what it is. I imagine a lot of cardboard cutouts will watch BYU play this fall in LaBelle Edward Stadium. That's another thing. The schedule is, okay, COVID is one thing. The schedule is another. Fans in the stands, I tweeted this yesterday. It's like the 27th thing on my mind. You know what I mean? Like fans in the stands, we don't even know who BYU's playing. And we're like, oh, how many people? No. <laughs> No, it, 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 sorry. We're, we're all watching these on TV, except for hopefully the media. I hope we're watching them on TV at the least. Yes. Just give me some access yes. to BYU football, to college football in general, to NFL football. Yes. Just football. Yes, but not, but not CFL. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that desperate. Australian Rules Football League, uh, Aussie Football League, uh, Amazing. Aussie rules. If you haven't caught on to that, let's go. Yeah, I, I think I, The Rock bought the XFL so he could just change it into bring the AFL here and they could use the name. Great. Let's go. He's By the way, the XFL the job, only right? worth 15 mil. Pretty cheap. Ballers. <laughs> Coming to life. <laughs> Our question of the day. What is your biggest non-COVID related question as BYU football Begins practice today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Because they're actually practicing today. Normally, this is a very exciting day. We're getting stoked. We're getting, and we'll talk to Kalani Sataki about it. But, man, there's just a lot up in the air as to whether this is even going to happen. It's August 3rd. If BYU were to play a game on September 3rd, that means they have 30 days to not only get ready coming yeah. out of this crazy summer, COVID-19. Oh, sorry, the fourth today. They've got 20 or yeah, 30 days, 29 days, whatever it is. It's, it's a pandemic. We never know what day it is. They don't know who they're playing, Jerem. They don't know. They have six games on the schedule. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, they do. October 2nd, Utah oh, State. The season opener. Oh, the Mountain West hasn't announced. What if the Mountain West says, okay. uh, I, conference I, I, only? Mountain West has been meeting, by the way. They're supposed to figure out their stuff soon as well. Yeah. They I, have I heard to. they're running out of time. Okay, I, okay. Insider info. I heard they're going to start their own TV network, and it's going to be awesome. Oh boy! Oh wait. <laughs> Remember how they were the first? Yes. And BYU is a part of that. Remember how BYU and Wyoming got the same TV money? That made a lot of sense. Mm. Here we are in independent. There are two conferences that have started TV networks after the fact that have lasted: the SEC and the ACC. And the Big Ten, I guess. Big Ten. Three. Yeah. Well, okay. Bi- Big Ten makes the most money, apparently. All right. Of all of them. So three. Oh, don't forget about them. But, That's uh, a big one. Um, some other things not, not exactly working out so well. Yeah. Uh, our question what, of the day, as I mentioned. Well? What's that? I said, what's well, not working out well? <laughs> <laughs> Again, what is your biggest non-COVID-related question? It's as about, BYU begins actual practice today. About conference TV networks. 
Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at Russ.Heaton on Russ. Instagram. What's up, bro? Who's the starting quarterback? I'll answer that for you right now, Russ. It's going to be Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson. It's going to be Zach Wilson. It's Zach versus Zach. They're going to battle it out, and they're going to do it. At Hansen 25 on Twitter, what does the running back depth chart situation look like? Now, Ooh, this, good is, question. this is an interesting question. I, I like this one. I like this one a lot. Okay, I think that Lopini Katoa is the incumbent starter. They like Tyler Algier a Tyler, lot. Tyler Algier had a quality game against White. Sione Fino, I don't think that he's going to be ready for the season. I think he's still recovering from a torn ACL, which happened against, was it Boise State or soon thereafter? Um, he, he's a guy in the mix. And what about BYU's Christian McCaffrey? Jackson, Jackson McChesney, McChesney, bro! Don't forget my, about my guy Bruce Garrett from Texas. Oh, man. Harvey, Harvey Unga says, even with the loss of Devontae Henry Cole, that he feels like BYU's in great position with the running backs. I do have a little bit of fear if you play, like, I don't know, six power fives. But if you only play two, I think BYU's in a better position. Or even three. Right? I'm finally getting, or even three. You're finally okay getting three. my schedule. <laughs> You okay. just might. You just might. Yeah, I wanted a pandemic. Get out of here. <laughs> Coming up, best to wear at number 73 and 74. And BYU football head coach Kalani Satake joins us. How is he preparing his team amid so much uncertainty? And what's his number one question related to football going into fall camp? Or, or is it summer camp? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After further review returns tonight, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, they'll get you ready for the not-fall summer camp of BYU football, bringing down some of the players. It's on the BYU TV app at 7 Eastern tonight. Season premiere, let's go. Let's do it. We are live in Studio B with more of your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. It's August 4th, Jerem. Typically, this is a very exciting time. Yes. Practices are happening. Yeah, practice. Gearing up for Let's the go. season. Let's go. Not sure who BYU is going to play in week number one. They have six games remaining on the schedule. With that in mind, we spoke with BYU head football coach Kalani Satake yesterday afternoon on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Topics including actual football camp starting for BYU and preparing amidst the uncertainty of pandemics and a push for more social justice and players wanting more from the conferences, Pac-12 specifically. But we started the conversation with a little bit of an easier question on the important topic of Preston Hadley and Gennaro Guilford and the coaches on bikes movement. Is Kalani for it? I moved close enough so that it's not even going to be much of an exercise if I ride a bike here. So, yeah, that's – I don't think it's going to work. Plus, uh, I'm a little bigger nowadays, and I, I served a two-year mission where I spent some time on the bikes. Those guys probably <laughs> didn't spend enough time on – Preston didn't spend enough time on his bike while I was on his mission. <laughs> okay, normally this time of year we're getting excited for the season. It's fall camp. It's the beginning, which is the case, uh, you know, on Tuesday here. Um, what's life like for you as you try and navigate what you hope is – a football season, yet everything's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, I think for the most part, you know, we've been just working and, and uh, letting the players, uh, you know, lead the way. I think I think uh, the great thing about this opportunity for them is that the player, the coaches are out of the way now. So the players, are, you're left to see if the culture is going to thrive. And from what I saw during the, the quarantine, during the, this whole uh, pandemic, is that our, our culture is really good on this team and, and it's led by great players. So I'm excited about it. 
Kalani, uh, your boys back to practice, and I know that they couldn't be happier about it. Um, what's on the specific agenda for you and your team over the next few days? Yeah, to keep focusing on our fundamentals and technique. I mean, there's there's uh, there's some uncertainties, uh, most notably our, our opponents, but for the most part, we can really work on our install, get on the field. I think now that we can get some, uh, you know, get the helmets on and, and get these guys kind of acclimated to the game. And then once we get the pads on, then then the real competition starts. So for the for the next part is just kind of getting that, um, being able to transition from their off-season conditioning into fall camp mode. And, and uh, from what I see so far with our guys and the walkthroughs that we've been able to do, I'm really excited about the program, excited about the, where, the status of our football team right now. This fall camp is every coach's dream, Kalani. No media. So you, you'll, you'll do media availability. I love you guys, man. Come on. Man. That's a, no, that's, that's uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think what you're saying is that, yeah, this is a little different. And I think um, I didn't really know much about zoom and, 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 and virtual meetings and all that stuff until now. So, uh, you know, we're, we're people that can adapt and, and I uh, just, I'm thankful that we have the relationships and uh, we can rely on everybody, uh, you know, just focusing and, and making each other better. So uh, as long as we get to interact somehow, I'm, I'm good with it. It's hard for me because I want to hug and talk to all the fans, you know, but uh, we'll just do it safe with a, a safe way, you know, keeping our social distancing and uh, getting the masks on and things. Pandemics are bad for huggers. That's what I've learned during this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> d- describe what your practice is like right now. Obviously, you know, we've seen masks on, but will guys wear masks under a helmet? And, and how is social distancing within football? That's kind of a question that no one's really been able to answer well. Yeah, we've been getting some education from our doctors and from the, our sports medicine department, just uh, allowing the guys to know a little bit more about about uh, COVID and and for our, our players to know how they can keep this environment a low-risk environment. Uh, the key is for us to wear masks around each other, regardless of whether you agree with them or not. It, it, in order for us to keep this as a low-risk environment in practice and in the meetings, we have to wear the, the masks and, and, and exercise a social distancing, you know, and and if we can do that, then then we'll be okay. If, even if someone does uh, get the virus, and uh, we don't have to basically shut down the whole program because we've done a good job at keeping it low risk in our meetings and in our interactions with the players and even at practice. So we're doing a lot of things in practice. We're thinking of getting these masks that are a little bit thinner that gives them a little bit more protection out there. But we're also looking at doing some things with the face masks that you see other schools are doing, uh, whether it's a clear plastic um, see-through deal on the bottom that that forms a mask or the mask inside or the cloth version. We're, we're looking into all that. And I think uh, the key is keeping our players safe and, and uh, allowing them to play the game that they love, but do it in a safe way so it doesn't bring risk to people or the loved ones that they have at home. BYU football head coach Kalani Satake with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, what are the protocols for screening when players come to practice each day and how often will those things take place? Yeah, every day when we when we check in, we uh, get our temperature taken. Uh, we we uh, go through the whole protocol when we first enter. We get our wristbands, you know, that we show that we've been screened, and then um, we just got to be honest and, and and report any symptoms that we're having and and work really closely with our trainers and our doctors. And so, a, a big portion of that is uh, educating the players and and them being aware of what's going on. And this is a thing that changes quite often. It's it's not just like everything's set in stone. It's something that. Uh, you know, a lot of things could happen in, in, in a day, let alone a week or a couple of weeks. And so we have to stay on, on the updated on everything and keep our players educated on the whole process. And it's been really cool because in a time where communication is not, not as uh, open, now we can do it and, and be 
give our guys uh, the confidence when they're, once you know, and you're educated a little bit more, you can kind of uh, learn how to function, how to go about whether it's practice meetings or inter- even interacting with each other. Certainly there's a lot to figure out. I wanted to follow up, uh, you know, obviously with the schedule and, and practice and whatnot, but in terms of social distancing, is the, do you have to do things a little differently, and if so, how, so that if, uh, you know, let's say a quarterback gets a positive test, that you don't have to eliminate all the quarterbacks going into that game that week or anyone they, they would have uh, dealt with? Because my fear is we're going to have a, a good schedule, Tom's going to put that together, and then all of a sudden we're not going to be able to play because the Miami Marlins things happen, right? So how are you dealing with those possibilities? Well, when, when, from what we know is when, when they do have someone that tests positive or has the virus, then they kind of backtrack through all of it and where, where their interactions have been. And what we can do as a program is keep it so it's low risk and a low risk environment, our practices and meetings and everything so that they, they don't have to quarantine or shut out the whole uh, position group. Um, and that's where the masks come in, um, being mindful of social distancing, even during practice, being able to stay, keep your distance. Um, but, but if we are able to do that, then they won't see that it's, it's actually uh, contracted here, you know, and they can kind of backtrack to that where it's home or some other interaction that they may have. But if we can keep it at a low risk, then that won't have to happen. And, and uh, we're, we're talking to our, our doctors daily about it and seeing if there's anything we can do differently or better to make sure that we keep that, that this program is a low risk environment for our players. So do you feel like this is feasible, that this is possible um, with football where the center is going to snap the ball to the quarterback and he's going to hand it to a running back and other guys will, will contact them, where we can, we can somehow make this work and play? We believe so, and we think part of that is everyone having their personal accountability for it and being mindful of others, you know, and, and in a game where, where we're able to test and, and, and monitor everything that we can. We're, if we're able to keep the, the, the points of contact limited or if they are points of contact keep it so that it's not a high risk environment and we should be okay right and i i have a lot of confidence in the people that are leading the way and that are helping us educate our players and our coaches and our staff through this whole process and i really believe it's going to work out pretty well for us and all we can do is our part and we we can uh, hope that all the other opponents are doing the same as well but for what i've seen so far with byu the leadership in our administration and our athletic administration i'm really excited about what they've done for our players and our coaches I'm excited for the season. BYU football head coach Kalani Sataki on BYU Sports Nation. Your job is already hard enough. Now throw in an offseason that has been turbulent, to say the least, obviously with COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, this affecting now half of your schedule, six Power 5 games going away. There has been a movement to fight social injustice. Uh, now players in the Pac-12 are banding together to try and get more. And, I mean, there are just so many things happening. So how have you been able to or how are you trying to rally your troops to keep everyone even keel and pushing forward amidst so much uncertainty? I think it's important that everybody feels like they, they're going to be heard and that we communicate often, right? So I think that uh, uh, for the players or coaches, administration, I think, we're doing a great job of talking and, and, uh, and then leading, you know, and I think the, the points of communication has got to be there. So I think uh, if you don't communicate very well, those moments of, of lapse or, or moments of absence of communication usually filled by negativity. So as long as we can keep communicating and do it well, I think we'll be okay. And, and I feel good about the players voicing their opinions, uh, coaches, support staff, everyone, fans. So why, why not keep it going, right? I think that's just important that we try to learn from each other see other people's perspectives, 
and really just respect each other and love each other. Just follow the lead, the leader of our church and the, what he's been doing, and, and also the leader of our church, our, our our gospel, which is Jesus Christ. So if we do that and be mindful of others, we'll be okay. You lost uh, no good transition out of that. Uh, you lost six. <laughs> you lost six power Drop fives. Yeah. <laughs> you lost six power fives on the schedule. Um, do you want to replace that with six power fives? Are you are you up for whatever? We want a full schedule. We just want to play football. You know, I, I think that uh, we're in a situation we've prepped all all year long for the the schedule that we had, and obviously with the circumstances that happened, there's a lot of different things that happened and. Uh, I trust in, in Tom Homo. I trust our athletic administration and our leaders in the school and, and getting a, putting together a schedule. Our guys will be ready. And so I, I, we have a good chance this year to do some really good things. And uh, more than anything, I'm just really excited for our seniors and the things that they've done building this team to this point. So uh, we'd just be honored to be on the field to, to perform for our fans and to represent our families and represent the church and the school. So we're looking forward to the, that opportunity and uh, just really thankful that we're in this position that it could possibly happen. Coach, how would you describe the climate and the tenor of your locker room and your team right now, given everything that is going on? Yeah, I think it's really positive. I think there's uh, there's some people that 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 I think uh, need need to learn more and 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 talk to each other. And I think that's a good moment for them to have. I, I think uh, there's a lot of things going on. You just named them. You went down the list of a lot of different things. And to me, I, I go back to the communication thing. I think it's good for people to talk about it and. And to get other people's perspectives and to really respect each other and, and, and learn from each other. So that's, we do that, we'll be fine. Our team has been doing that, not just this year, but it's been that way for a long time. It's a culture that we have in place with this program and with the school. So uh, I think it, it fits in line with what we're trying to do as, as a church. And uh, so I think it just makes, makes a lot of sense what we're doing right now. It makes a lot of sense the way the players are adapting to it. And then during this, ish, this uh, time of the pandemic, our culture is thriving. And I feel really good about the guys that are involved with this. So really proud of our players. An honor for me to be their coach and looking forward to, to, you know, performing for the fans. Is it hard dealing with that? Because you put your life into the athletes and the coaches around you to succeed and win, yet winning may not even be an option, right, this year as you navigate everything. And you're the coach. You're not coming up with a schedule. So how are you handling that emotionally as you try and prepare this team for what you hope is a full schedule, but we just don't know? Well, I think the, the way that I, I do it is just through gratitude and appreciation. I, I'm so thankful that we have great people that are working for us and trying their best, yourselves included, all our fans that are just really in, in, uh, in support of what we do as a football team. I understand that there's a lot of other things that are going on in this world that are more important, but it's such such a cool 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 feeling for me as a head coach to see what's happened with our fan base and the way they react to things, the way they support our players and, you know, how, how our players have been to, to adjust to all the things that have happened so far this year. So um, our, our, our attitude and my attitude personally, and I think it, it, it's not just mine, it's just what we share as a program is that we're just thankful for the, this opportunity that we're in right now. Just have a lot of appreciation for those people that have worked so hard for us and to put us in this situation that we're in right now to hopefully play football. Coach, I know you're obviously very focused on the actual football product and helping your team get better, but it's hard not to wonder what that schedule is going to look like. So when you hear things like the Big 12 are deciding today on what they're going to do with their scheduling, the ACC and the SEC announced last week, and the Sun Belt Conference comes out along with Conference USA, and they say we're playing a full 12-game schedule, how, how much of that is wandering through your mind um, as you push forward with right now a six-game schedule? 
Well, I mean, I, I think I feel confident that we'll be okay, right? And, and to me, it's uh, our players are ready to to perform for 12, play, 12 games. Uh, it doesn't really matter who it is. It didn't didn't matter if the first game was going to be Utah or whoever shows up. We just need to be ready to play all 12, right? And and hopefully, if we do it right, we can gain extra time and play some more, uh, play, play another game with this group, you know, and see how that goes. We can only control what we control, which is be ready for 12 games. Be ready for game one. And then from there on out, try to do what we can to stay healthy so that we can perform our best. That's that's it. It doesn't matter if the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid show up <laughs> uh, here in September. We're going to have to play at our best. And so the goal here has always been the same, to perform at our best 12 times. And we're looking forward to do that early September. Oh, great stuff. And if uh, Coach Reid wants to come by, hey, so be it. Um, do, do, yeah, I, I have to wonder uh, what kind of a challenge that would be for your team. But do do you have a timetable of when you expect to find out if you have a week zero or week one opponent? Oh, no, I think that's more of a Tom Homo question. You know, for us, we're just going to be ready to go that first week and uh, hope that, that there's an opponent there, right? So, I have a lot of confidence in, in our administration to get it done and, and uh, do, you know, these guys are, are working really hard. So I have a lot of confidence that they'll figure it out and, and get a schedule. We'd like to know as soon as possible so we can start prepping for them, you know, but uh, um, at this point right now, we're just excited that we're playing football and we're, we're starting practices. Were you showing off the guns a minute ago? You were, you were looking pretty big there. Well, you know, I have been working out a little bit. You guys haven't given me much compliments, but that's okay. You know? <laughs> You're wearing the medium today. No, I, it looks I, like uh, I don't know what to do because I have the mask in one hand and I'm just kind of, you know, normally I'm sitting next to you guys. So we're all, this is a little uncomfortable for me. I know. I'm talking I know. to a screen and to see you guys in, in person and putting on the blue goggles or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I did want to ask you, um, as an independent, it's certainly unique. In, in a league, they would say, okay, here are the protocols and both teams apply by this, right? If BYU plays anybody else, they're going to have to figure out how to meet that standard maybe. So um, how, how do you anticipate that happening um, this season with as an independent where you may play ACC or big 12 or mountain West teams, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be fine. I mean, every, everybody wants to be safe, right? So I think the protocol will be very similar. Um, and then, and from what I've seen and, and the coaches that I've talked to and other programs, uh, what we're doing is very similar. It's just pretty much a universal type of deal where we want to be safe and keep everything at low risk. Okay, a, let's finish with a non-pandemic-related question. Actual football here. What's the biggest question mark you have about your team entering fall camp of 2020? A couple of things. Who our opponent's going to be, right? But also, uh, there's a lot of guys um, competing for, for starting spots. And, so, and then there's others that are, that are competing for um, earning their, their, the trust from their teammates and from the coaches to be on the field more. So... We're going to need more than just the 11 starters on all three phases. We're going to need a lot of guys that can contribute. We feel like we have a good deep team and a lot of experience. And so uh, right now it's just a matter of who's going to take the first snap. I can't wait to see the competition. These guys are really good, and, and competition usually breeds really, really good success. So I'm looking forward to these guys competing at all different positions. And, man, let's just get the football because that's the only way you handle it. We'll play the best guys. They sell it on the field, and, and, and we make the decisions that are pretty – Pretty, uh, you know, that stands out and pretty noticeable by everybody else. Is it Zach Wilson versus the other quarterbacks, or is it every man for himself? Every position's got to compete. And and what's beautiful is that these guys work with really well together. So um, we have a, a really cool dynamic at all the positions, not just quarterback. There's a lot of guys, O-linemen, are fighting for starting spots too. But 
I think the, the more they do that, we'll start to find that we have more than just one that can play at each position. And we we're already starting to see that from last year, but this year it's just the, the competition has been cool, man. It's just been everyone stepping up their game, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the outcome will be, which usually means good, good things for us as a program. Coach, it's great to see your face, hear your voice, especially back in those football offices. This is see, an exciting. See, see the guns. Time. Yeah. Know? Hey, yeah. and whether you're benching yeah. 325 or riding that bike no. downhill, safety first, man. Yeah, I, I can do the bike downhill and then just got to pick, pick it up and take it up to the top again. So I'm a coasting type of guy when it comes to bike riding. No Greg Lamont or Lance Armstrong here. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Thank you. Go Cougs. Kalani Sataki on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, here's to hoping for a safe, uh, not fall summer camp. A summer camp, not fall. Camp. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, BYU first day of practice, and hopefully they play week zero, week one, and we have a, a game we look forward to. I imagine we'll have that soon. We were t- you mentioned last week you thought August 7th would be the date, right? By then. I wonder how this season is going to go in that regard, if there will be any mid-season scheduled games or if that's too just, unfeasible. Just piece it together. Hey, you uh, you want to play a game in like two weeks? I feel like that would be pretty crazy, but nuts. who knows, right? Who knows? We're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there to where we need to know. Okay, coming up, Kalani Sataki told us he's confident uh, this season will happen. We'll revisit why. Plus our double play of the best to ever wear it. You like the guys in the trenches. Do the dirt, do the dirty work. Yeah, we do it. A couple of stars coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand by downloading the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. He is Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Today marks the start of BYU football camp for the 2020 season. The Cougars were granted a waiver to begin limited training last week for walkthroughs, meetings, and conditioning. They've been doing voluntary workouts for what seems like a month now. Uh, but here we are. It's officially fall, not summer, fall. We'll figure that out. The Cougars can do mandatory workouts under the NCAA's 20-hour rule. They're back on campus like they have been the last couple weeks. And uh, so I guess not. they're not back. They've been here, but... Now it's official. They could be in full pads in five practice. Talking about practice. The Big 12 Board of Directors announces that all 10 football programs will play a 9-plus-1 schedule for the 2020 season, consisting of nine conference games and one non-conference opponent to be played at the home sites of the Big 12 teams. Will it affect BYU? By the way, a Minnesota receiver just said he'd opt out of the season. He's going to go into the NFL draft next year. He's just not even going to play because of coronavirus. Wow. I wonder how many athletes will do this. Your cornerback Jalen Vickers put his name in the transfer portal, then took it out. He'll stay with the Cougars. Vickers had two tackles in four games in 2018, served a mission, believe in New York City, and then uh, returned to BYU for this fall, and he's on the road. Basketball. Yoli Childs currently ranks 91st in the ESPN Top 100 Best NBA Draft Prospects. Other notables include Gonzaga's Killian Tilly at number 52, Sam Merrill of Utah State at 61, St. Mary's Malik Fitz, 77th, and Jordan Ford at 99. Golf. Kirsten Fotu and Naomi Soifua are in the top 10 after day one of the Utah Women's Open at Thanksgiving Point. Fotu took the lead yesterday after firing a two-under 70. We are three-quarters of the way to the top in our best-to-ever-wear-it list. So let's continue the count up to 99. Two more numbers today honoring the best athletes to ever wear the numbers 73 and 74. 73, Jake Caressa, offensive lineman, 2002 to 2006, four-year starter 
He was really, really good. He was awesome. First team on Mountain West in 06, second team in 05. A SportsIllustrated.com All-American Honorable Mention, Outland Trophy candidate, signed free agent deal with the Saints, and he has an amazing personality. We love uh, some Jake Caressa. On the field for Becca Harleen, yes, protecting. Yes, protecting There's a in picture of Jake in my house with that in mind. Outstanding. At, at, at 74, say hello to former defensive star Paul Linford in the early Lavelle Edwards era from 1972 to 1974. Speaking of 74, Linford, a three-time first-team All-WAC player. This is when Arizona State and Arizona were in the WAC. Legit. United Press International Arizona wasn't first good. Team. Selected in the fourth round of the 1975 NFL Draft, 93rd overall by the Baltimore Colts. His career numbers included over 200 tackles, seven sacks, 24 tackles for loss, and four forced fumbles. Paul Linford. Arizona State was good, but Arizona's never actually been good at football. <laughs> Coming up, the top five dunks in BYU Hoops history. Who deserves the number one spot? Is it Yoli Childs and some recency bias? Stay with us. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, conference news keeps on coming, but if you're overwhelmed by all the uncertainty, don't worry. The Cougs are providing plenty of motivation. Check it out on the BYU Sports Nation's social media platform. BYU Sports Nation continues in Studio B. We spoke for 18 minutes with BYU football head coach Kalani Satake. If you missed any or all of that interview, you can always download the podcast and listen to it in its entirety. We would like now to focus in on the biggest of questions, the possibility of a college football season actually happening. Kalani addressed that, and as I said, that is number one on everyone's mind. Here's what Coach Shitake had to say. We believe so, and we think part of that is everyone having their personal accountability for it and being mindful of others, you know, and, and in a game where, where we're able to test and, and, and monitor everything that we can, we're, if we're able to keep the, the, the points of contact limited or if there are points of contact keep it so that it's not a high risk environment and we should be okay right and I I have a lot of confidence in the people that are leading the way and that are helping us educate our players and our coaches and our staff through this whole process and I really believe it's going to work out pretty well for us and all we can do is our part and we we can uh, hope that all the other opponents are doing the same as well but for what I've seen so far with BYU the leadership in our administration and our athletic administration I'm really excited about what they've done for our players and our coaches I'm excited for the season. Everyone doing their part. That's a lot of trust in a lot of people across college football to do their part, take the protocols, try and stay safe, self-report if you're feeling symptoms. Like there are just so many moving parts, and we are seeing yeah, this that major, we're seeing this in Major League Baseball now. Derek Jeter came out yesterday and said we had some guys go out uh, to dinner with other families in the area. And there wasn't partying, but they were still socializing like it was normal life. And now the Marlins and the Cardinals in St. Louis are paying the price for just kind of a a lack of adherence to these very strict protocols. If you want to play college football, you have to create a bubble. That's not going to happen. How do you create a bubble with football? It's not. You'd have to keep everyone in the same space, and it's not. Therefore, there will be infiltra- infiltration. I believe that BYU has quality individuals who make good decisions, but it's not every single one. Obviously, there are going to be those who 
make poor choices relative to this topic in terms of coronavirus and whatnot, right? The only way to really limit the spread is to not interact with anyone else that could have it at all, right? You can wear a mask every day. You can wash your hands. You can sanitize. One person gets in with it, and it can spread. Like it's, it, I, I like the idea, and Kalani Sataki is right. BYU can do its part. But will the other team do its part? Will every single staff member associated with BYU do its part? Will anyone that ever connects with the program do their part as well? No! With 100%? No way! So I think it'll be hard to play football. I think it's, you'd think it'd be easier to play baseball. You'd think it'd be easier to play soccer. We've seen issues there. There are going to be issues. We're talking about 120 members of every college football team. I know that some of them are red shirting and some of them are players, bro. Just players. Just players. So we're like upwards of like 160 individuals with trainers and coaches and other sports information personnel and it it ain't happening. Like I don't see Everybody has to do their part and if something That's not going to happen. Well, here's the thing. That's when the pressure of Oh man, I don't I don't know if I want to say anything. So I'm just going to tell my coach like I'm sick. I'm just going to pull myself out. I'm going to stay away for a couple of weeks, but I don't I don't want to shut the whole thing down for my team. Like it but, gets it gets weird there. Right. It it'd be reckless to not say, "Hey, I have symptoms. I got a test. I'm positive. We need to trace this to know who else might have it, um who might spread it to someone who could have a serious hospitalization or death, which is the things we want to avoid. Positive tests is one thing, right? The serious hospitalizations and death. No, 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 no. Cannot have that. So how many games do we get into the season before the first major outbreak? And then, okay, everyone's quarantining for three weeks. It's, it's going to happen more than you think. I think it's going to be hard to play. Let's hope, let's hope it works. Let's hope. Coming up, the top five dunks in BYU history. We know those happen. Yeah, we're going to count them down next. Uh, you decide if you agree with us. The reveal next on BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation continues with a daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's go. Top 5 Tuesday, as you just heard, presented by Delta. Keep climbing. In honor of the NBA returning to the Disney bubble, we bring you the top five dunks in BYU history to open up a worthy honorable mention because he's the best mascot in all the land. And it wasn't technically in a game. It was Cosmo. It was last season. He's thrown from the three-point line. He catches the ball in the air, and he dunks it. This is a three-point dunk. I've said for a long time, and White B-Ball Pains agrees, if a, if a dunk is worth three, I'll start dunking. Okay? <laughs> in this case, Cosmo had a three-point dunk. This is incredible! A viral Cosmo moment to lead us off. Now to the actual top five dunks. Number five, 1991, Eastern Kentucky. Ken Roberts yams on Kirk Greathouse. More oh. like dunked on house. The dunk, the stare down, that's probably an honor code violation. Straight humiliation. Kenneth, dunk on your grail, Roberts. At number four, it's number 44, Jerem. Trent placed it. Catches the alley-oop behind his head and brings it back for the one-handed finish. Full extension for Placed, Saving it. Greg Rebell thought it was going to go out of bounds, but then he dunks it. Two-point victory over Colorado State, by the way. Dave Rose said after the game, this is the greatest dunk I've witnessed in person, and he was a part of Fight Slamma Jamma, dude. 
Number three, Marty Haas versus Weaver State in 87. Haas steals the outlet, then ascends to heights unknown to he or his kin, then or since, ascending into the heavens and descending in a dunk of glory over Fred Rollin. The dunk, the celebration, glorious. At number two, uh, speaking of the Haas brothers, this time Haas is dealing, and it's TJ to Yoli Childs against Utah. Uh, It's a screensaver for just about every BYU fan. Puts not one, but two Utes on a poster. Yoli at number two. BYU cruising to a 15-point victory. What's better than that? At number one, Mike Hall with a monstrous dunk over Mountain West Conference co-player of the year, Nick Welch of Air Force. The crossover and the punishing dunk were awesome. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler on the call, by the way. <laughs> Big win that helped BYU get in the NCAA tournament. My call, I saw him at Smith's the other day. We both had masks on. Over Nick Welch and ranked Air Force, believe it or not. Believe it, baby. That is a teeth grinder. The most excited I've ever been as a fan in the Marriott Center watching that happen. I was in Brazil. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness for video. It just made my mood a lot better. I know. I'm in a way better mood now. <laughs> Our question of the day. What is your biggest non-COVID-related question as BYU football begins practices today? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at WD Heath 40 on Twitter. Can the defense increase pressure on the quarterback? Will the offense be ready to go right out of the gate, or will it take a few games to break in? So two questions for the price of one from Heath, one on each side of the ball. Yeah, there's some questions to be had. And, uh, yeah, day one, here we go, BYU football, preparing for an unknown opponent in week one. Today's Rise and Shoutout. During the show, there was a massive explosion in Beirut, Lebanon, that uh, was startlingly big. So Rise and Shoutout to those affected by that. Hopefully people are okay, but that looked very, very scary. Yeah, uh, just amazing images coming out of there. So we send our best, uh, obviously, to the folks that are are suffering in Beirut. Lebanon. Our thanks to today's guest, Kalani Satake, for 18 minutes. Sorry to Dennis Pitt in no time. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Jake Schof clearing the way <laughs> for Mike Hall. See you tonight for the season premiere of After Further Review, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Oh, it's an offensive foul.